In this episode, I talk to Ryan Warner about our ultramarathon efforts and why you need to pay the price in order to get anything you want in life. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alamo. Um, if you're a longtime fan of the show, thank you so much. If you're new, welcome. Thank you for joining. Very grateful to have you here uh, inside my brain. Um, this is a millennial personal development podcast, right? So trying to get to the next level, uh, make more money, get in better shape, have a better relationship, be more creative, whatever it may be. I'm on the path to get there. I'm not an expert. I know you're also on the path, so I appreciate you joining along, learning from the guests, learning from my experience, being very open with, with what's going on. Um, before we get into everything, uh, you can find more about what we're doing, a lot of written content, newsletter, um, a lot of stuff going on at millennialmomentum.net. You can follow me at Tommy Tahoe on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know what you thought of the show. Give me a shout. Um, and if you find any value here in today's episode or any episode, please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. It, it quite literally takes 37 seconds and means the world to me. So thank you so much if you do that. Uh, anyways, let's get straight into today's show. Uh, without further ado, there's been a lot of talk from me um, about the Spartan Ultramarathon that I was running, that I ran uh, two weeks ago at this point. And um, for those unfamiliar I've I've formed a a tradition in the last few years um, that I call a masoji, and a masoji is an ancient Japanese ritual. It's a day of cleansing, right? It's a day uh, to cleanse the mind, cleanse the body, um, and they did this through a number of different ways back in the day. You can look it up, um, and I've through the um, following of Jesse Itzler have really taken this to a different measure of really putting one big thing on the calendar each year and going after that thing. Something that challenges the way you think, challenges what you think you can do, challenges your perceived limits, challenges um, really every inch of your being to see if you can do that thing. And you train for it and you get ready for it. And um, you know, hopefully you, you accomplish it. And either way, you learn a lot. And so, for example, the first, you know, two years ago, my brother, Ryan Warner, who's going to join us later in this episode, uh, shares, uh, we, we went for a marathon, right? So we had never run more than six miles before, trained up, ran a marathon with my sister. Shout out to Emily Alamo uh, in Lake Tahoe. It was a great experience. Uh, one of the, the best days of my life, hands down. Uh, the next year, last year, we Ryan and I got joined up with a friend of the show, Rich Stone, another friend of the show, Seamus Noonan, and we went to a Spartan race. And not just the Spartan race, but the ultra, uh, not the ultra, the uh, Beast World Championships in Lake Tahoe. Again, so that was about 14 miles, 30 obstacles up Squaw Mountain, Ski Mountain in Lake Tahoe. Which was, to that point, just about as hard as the marathon, despite less mileage. They both took about five hours, but we, we got through and we accomplished both of them. Got former podcasts and blogs you can check out if you're interested in learning about those events. Uh, this year, uh, Ryan really twisted my arm and sold me on uh, jumping up a level and doubling what we did last year. So um, in the Spartan race world, there's a sprint, that's three miles. There's a super, that's about seven miles. 
There's the Beast, that's 13 to 15. Then there's the Ultra. They only do a few of these a year. That's 30 miles, 65 obstacles. Um, and we signed up for the one in the Rocky Mountains in uh, Snowmass Village in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, I think the the ground there is, before you climb the mountain, base camp is about 8,000 feet above sea level. Compared to San Francisco, that's about 60 feet above sea level. And um, you know, we, we decided to train up for that race. That was two weeks ago. Uh, and we put you know a lot of time and effort into you know getting our bodies ready, getting our minds ready. Um, and it was a wild, wild experience. Um, like I said, I got Ryan coming on here in about five minutes that we're going to talk about uh, the, sh- the, the whole journey, the whole four days, um, really that race day, what went on. Um, you know, if you can't stick around, the, the long story short, we did not make it. We got through, we thought the race would take about 12 hours, 10 to 12. Uh, we found ourselves at the halfway point, or a little over halfway, where there's a transition area after you do the first loop, after 17 miles. We found ourselves there just about eight hours into the race, at the time cutoff to that point, knowing that if we went back up that mountain, there was another six, seven, eight hours ahead of us if we could do it, um, bringing us into 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night from a day where we woke up at 3 a.m., um, and we didn't have it in us. So we, we wove the white towel, uh, and we get we get more into that, but you know, really, the few takeaways that I had, I wrote a really long blog, the, the longest blog I've ever written. You can see it on the, the site Millennium Momentum you can see it on Medium I think it might be some of my best writing it's certainly the longest about 2,000 words and um, you know the two takeaways number one all of the support <laughs> that we had um, from you know my my family members to friends to podcast listeners blog readers you know Ryan's crew as well um, you know giving us shout outs in person on Instagram on Twitter um, commenting on the podcast uh, people that we met up in the mountains, people that we saw at the race. It was just such a supportive, amazing group, and I've, I've never quite felt that supported about something. Um, and so that was awesome. So I thank anyone that has given support, whether you thought it or whether you sent us a message. I really appreciate that. Um, it helped us get as far as we did, although we weren't able to, to come back with the bacon. Um, that was one thing that you know we were left speechless with, both before, during, and after the race. So thank you. Uh, truly from both of us on that. Um, and then the second piece is, you know, more, it's, it's more personal. It's, um, it's about paying the price. And that's what I write about in this article and that, you know, everything that I've ever done in my life comes with a price, right? At the very surface level, it's, if you want to stick a gum or a piece of gum, pack a gum, a dollar, you know, if you want to pay your rent, you got to pay that every month to live in your apartment. Um, you know, if you want those new running shoes, all right, hand over 150 bucks, whatever it may be. Every single thing, and that ties to money, and also ties to the time and effort and resources needed to accomplish something. When we ran a marathon, you know, we had to, you know, train for six months and run multiple days a week and eat clean, and you know, I cut down on drinking and all that stuff. Um, in order to have a good relationship, you know, you got to have patience, you got to have compassion, you got to have care, um, you got to put a lot of effort forth. Um, if I want to move people on this podcast and blog, God damn, I got to show up every week and I got to put in the effort and I got to prepare and I got to speak into this microphone right here in a way that's going to sound good to you folks. And it's going to be helpful. And in order to do that, in order to have success at any level, at anything, uh, you have to pay a price. And it became 
clear to me while we were out there that the longer we were out there, the less money that we had paid the price in training, which meant that we had less money in our mental and our energy piggy bank every time we had to go up a hill, every time we had to climb a rope, crawl under barbed wire. There's another dollar from the piggy bank, another $5, another 25 cents, whatever it may be. And we got to that point where we were at the, the end of our wits and the race director came up to us and he was, you know, hoping for another $10 bill out of us. And, you know, we flipped our piggy bank over, we screwed it open and it was, it was bone dry. There was nothing left in it. And so you got to know you can't do everything, right? You, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You can't. Um, have 10 priorities. You got to have one. So in a race like this, that needed to be the priority. And it, it certainly wasn't in training. And we didn't respect the race enough. We didn't get after it enough in the training. Um, and that showed up on game day. Um, but we didn't pay the price. So you got to pay the price. If you're thinking about what your next move is going to be here in the next five months of this year, um, if you want to make a certain amount of money, or you want to get that promotion at the end of the year, or you want to drop 20 pounds, or get in your own race and start your own Masoji or whatever it may be, start your own podcast, you got to be willing to pay the price. The tax man's going to be coming every single day. And you got to be able to pay rent. you got to be able to pay that person. And it's a metaphorical thing, but I think it's very true if you think about anything that you've either accomplished or not accomplished in life. Um, it's just that you it all comes down to whether you paid the price or not. You put in the quality, you put in the time, the effort, the resources, the emotions all into it. So without further ado, I'm going to call up my good friend, my brother, Ryan Warner. We're going to break down this race. Again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all the support that we got, all the love. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy this recap. And next week, we're going to be back with our regular interview format uh, and get this race and put it in the in the rear view. All right, peace. RW, Friday morning. Welcome back to the show, baby. Thanks for having me, man. Happy to be on. We we told the last last everyone heard from us, we were hyped up. Well, we actually weren't hyped up. We were pretty zen night before the race. Told people that we'd come back the day after, and you know, we 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 didn't. So we gave them a week. A week for us to lick our wounds, a week for us to really contemplate what happened out there, as most people probably saw on our Instagrams. Uh, we did not make it through the race. So having you back on, I want to talk to what happened on that mountain, man. It feels like it was just, you know, a year ago at this point. But what, what uh, you want to help maybe walk us through what, what went down on that beautiful Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. And it does feel like a year ago. The other thing I'll say is on Sunday, we're driving back to Denver, folks, and I know that on Friday, Tommy Tahoe had said, we got to rip a pot on Sunday, all day on Sunday. I'm keeping quiet to myself, hoping to God he doesn't want to do it because <laughs> I didn't have a, an ounce of energy in me. And sure enough, we got to the hotel Sunday night in Denver, and we just agreed we're not recording this. So glad to do it a week later, and I do like the perspective of it because I was too close to it on Sunday. So, you know, Saturday rolled around. We woke up at 345, race started at 7, and – we tricked ourselves into thinking we were ready to go. I was thinking this week, it kind of reminded me how, remember when I used to order Chinese food and if it was terrible, I would tell myself it was good just to <laughs> eat it. Yeah. And then afterwards I was like, that's the worst Chinese food I've ever had in my life. Yes. 
I feel like that was very similar to what I was telling myself leading up to the race on Saturday morning, because one of the things we'll talk about is that we were not properly trained. We did not train anywhere near what we should have. And the sad thing is we knew how much we needed to work out and we just didn't. You had a legit excuse because you were injured. I did not. So Saturday morning we wake up. We're No excuses though. Let's just be clear here. I'm not making that. I'm not throwing that excuse into the fire. We just didn't train hard enough. Didn't train hard enough. And that's one of my takeaways. So let's just, let's do a five minute walkthrough of the day. Then we'll go through our takeaways. Yep. Okay. So we wake up 345 drinking water, eat some breakfast, you know, we're getting ourselves ready. I think there was some, maybe some Led Zeppelin on, some Rolling Stones on. We're, we're focused. Mm-hmm. We head out for the race. Race starts at 7. We get there about 5.30. Now we're starting to stretch out and feeling good. And, you know, the race starts at 7. And first three miles felt pretty good. It was relatively flat, even though we're at 8,200 feet above sea level, feeling pretty good. And then we get into the actual climb. Hmm. Now, I've been trying to describe this all week, Tommy, so maybe you can help me. <laughs> this climb, you get at about mile four, folks, you, you kind of hang a left, like a dog leg left, and you look up, and it's got to be a mile up, maybe a mile and a half, so steep that you could, like, doggy crawl up there. You know, like, what, what, what was your first sight of the mountain that we would have to climb several times at the time I thought that was the main climb but it was just one of many but what was your first thought of the the sight of the mountain it's it's wild because the first time you see it you're like well you know if we if we take it back even further we don't look at the course map uh because we just think it's going to get in our heads and it probably would have I I still stick to that decision of like there's no point in knowing we our training is our training and so when you look at it you're like all right Here's our one big uphill, because in Lake Tahoe, that's what it was. It was one big uphill, a bunch of obstacles, downhill, one more big uphill. So it was like two big ascensions up a massive mountain, which is very tiring. But this one, it's like the first one, and you just think, Jesus, man, I've never before seen an uphill vertical climb like that. And, um, you know, the first time we, we went up, I, I mean, it was tough, but it wasn't too bad because our legs were still fairly fresh. We turned around a few times because we were losing breath and looked around and saw the mountain and we're like, wow, that's beautiful. Um, but if that was the only climb, we could have been okay. The, the difference is that we had to do that about 62 more times up these different climbs. <laughs> and there was no, after the first two miles, there was no flat ground. It was all uphill, no flat. downhill, uphill, yeah. downhill. They were just messing with us. And that's the thing that I cannot stress enough is when you do a Spartan Ultra, you traditionally do the beast lap. So a beast is 15 miles. You do that twice. No questions asked. You do it twice, done deal. At this one, the course was so narrow that they didn't have room to do that from what I understand now. Mm-hmm. So miles one through three, no big deal. Three through... I want to say seven or eight was a series of epic climbs where you'd go up, your legs are burning so bad. I mean, we'd probably walk a hundred steps and stop. You go all the way to the top, you do a couple obstacles, go down, and then back up probably two or three more times. And then you get to this cutoff where the ultra runners had to take a 
card from a deck of cards and redo that first loop again. So the hardest climb you had to do twice before you were even at the halfway point. And that second time through broke us. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, it, and once we got to the second time, you know, we started off the race. It was all ultra people. Uh, we had the purple pennies on to distinguish us. The second time we go through that loop, there's all the beast people. So everyone, you can clearly see who's doing the ultra and who's doing just the beast. The beast people had to only do that climb once while the ultra people had to do it three times. And so right. the whole time you're climbing it the second time, everyone keeps asking you, Hey, what loop are you on? And you say, Oh, you know, we're on our second one. They go, you have to do this again. <laughs> or they're like, Hey, how's, you know, the altitude sucks. Huh? There's just so much, I don't think they meant to be negative, but there's so many comments that can just like linger in your mind. Like, yeah, I guess the altitude does kind of suck right now. Or like, wow, I, it's going to be terrible going up this a third time. It just, all the people that there was so much support, but there was also so much of like people were in awe that we were doing it. That almost made you think like, man, I don't know if we should be doing this. Well, it's like, it's support, but it's also kind of the constant thinking, hey, I have to do this one more time because, and this may be a little hard to grasp for people because it, it's kind of confusing to me is that you know, typically when you're doing an ultra, you only see the people on the beast on your second lap. So you are already have done it once and you're seeing them on your way home, right? You're on your second lap, you're more than halfway done. Because we had to do this first loop twice, you were still on your first freaking lap. And it was just, it was a mind fuck. It really was. And so fast forward, we've done this epic climb twice now. And so now we're at, we're, it's, at it's noon, I remember this. And we are five hours in, we've only gone like 11 miles and we had 21 to go. And we give them our deck, of, our card from the deck of cards and they let us back on the normal course. And so I'm thinking, dude, we have six miles until the halfway point because in an ultra at the halfway point, you get to go to your kind of your camp area. You get your food, your water, whatever you need. You can take as long as you want. Right. And then you go back out for your second lap. So dude, at this point, we're still six out and we're five hours in six out from the halfway point, five hours in. And I got to be real with you. That's where I realistically let the doubt creep in. And I started thinking, we're going to be real hard pressed to finish this lap, let alone the race. Like what, when did you first start letting the doubt creep in that this might not be our day? Well, I mean, at that point, I think I, I think it hit me a little bit later, but with, at it that was point, later for you. Yeah. At that point though, you know, I remember because the first like two or three or four hours, we were pretty, we felt pretty good. And maybe in the first three hours, I'll say, Felt pretty good about our pace. We were asking the water yep. people, you know, how long has it been? We're like, all right, we, you know, we're, we're taking in our nutrients, we're eating, all that stuff. Uh, but we never thought time would be a factor. We were thinking roughly first loop, five, six hours, second loop, maybe another six hours, six, seven hours. So um, mm -hmm. we were hoping at, at mile 12, on a good day, we'd be at halfway point. On a bad day, we'd be very close and, and it would take less than an hour to get there. So we're thinking, at that point, I'm optimistic because we haven't seen what these next six miles are. We, we, this is all brand new. So I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be even ground. We're going to make up some time. There's going to be some obstacles, but it's going to be even ground. 
We're going to get back to base camp. And what really just mentally just got to me was every time you'd go uphill, then you'd go downhill, and you'd turn a corner, and you would think, we've got to be hitting some even ground. There's going to be some obstacles. It's going to be or, – or a nice long run that's on even ground, and you're going to make up some time. Every single time you turn that corner, there's another uphill. And there was a, one or two that were devastatingly tall, but all of them were, all of them were just it, – it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts. It's just like every single time. Yeah. It not only wears out your legs because, you know, it's just climbing a mountain, but it also just mentally – man, you just have to put so much effort mentally into like one step at a time in those scenarios. And it, it like doing that for hour upon hour is so tough. So we get to that. So at that point at mile 11, though, I looked over to you and you just go, man, I'm in a dark place. I go, whoa, I don't like to hear that. I was, dude. I was in, I was, you know, my thoughts were how angry I was at the race director for setting up this course. <laughs> I was thinking, and the weird thing was not one of the thoughts was how angry I should have been at myself for not training properly. <laughs> not once. Cause I was just in a, a weird spot. And when we kind of, if we zoom out real quick, the training, you know, we set out our training plan four months in advance and we know exactly how much we need to run. And a lot of people in Chicago keep telling me, well, that's okay. You never could have trained for it. I think that's bullshit because if we would have done two 20 mile runs during the training, if we would have done, five or six runs around 17 and 18 miles. I do think we could have gotten through it because yeah, the altitude, you're never going to train for that. And living in Chicago, you can never train for the Rockies. But if we would have done the proper distance, we could have gutted it out. And I just know that I just believe that. I don't think there's no way that we couldn't have done it if we had done the proper training. So zooming back in, you hit on a point that I just want to also touch on is, there was no momentum to this track. You know, when I did the ultra in South Carolina, there were, there were some, there was a lot of, I mean, same amount of obstacles, but they would group them together. Then you'd run on like a fire lane for like a mile and you'd get some good momentum goal. At this freaking place, you would turn right and you would look up and it would be so freaking steep. You'd have to walk up this hill. You'd get to the top. Maybe you would go, let's say you turn right. You'd be on a flat trail for maybe a hundred feet and then you'd go right back down. And there was just no momentum. And so that just started to mess with your mind. And, you know, fast forward, we get to probably mile 13. And now there's a bunch of obstacles all together, kind of at the top of the mountain, which is my forte. You fall into a dark place. If I, I want to put words in your mouth, but yeah, I think yours did a little bit late. Mine hit much earlier than yours did. You, yeah. you held on longer than I did. Yeah. But once we got to the top, yeah, with, with the obstacles, I'm, I, traditionally i'm i'm better on the running sequences you're better at the obstacles and so we got to a few yeah. that were really tough for me where i had to do a couple penalty loops um which just really just means extra hiking or running um and and a few different sections of burpees where you're doing burpees at the top of the mountain 10 or eleven thousand feet Obviously, mm -hmm. if you've done a Spartan before, you know, it, you're not doing it in grass. It's on dirt and there's rocks in your hands and rocks on your knees when you go down. And my, I've just felt like my legs were like just cinder blocks there, you know, where, you know, if you're doing a burpee, you go down and then you kind of hop back up and then you jump that, that hop wasn't even working. I had to like kind of step up 
And I knew at like mile 12, if that was the case, that was at that point, I was like, man, I, I don't know about doing this again. Cause the way that I think about running is like, if you're going to run 10 miles, um, at, after five miles, I kind of make a mental note of, Hey, I'm halfway there. Like, could I do what I just did again? And almost always that answer is yes. At that right. point I said, I'm not even halfway in and I have minimal energy left and I've been eating. I've been out. We were hydrated the whole day. The hydration, the food did not fail us in my opinion. But at that point I was like, man, could I do this all again? I think I will die. And we kept getting to like a water station or so overhearing someone say the time and those six miles between 11 and 17 took three hours. And we were going maybe even three hours, shorter, shorter mileage, but it took three hours pretty much. It was shorter mileage. And it just, took I remember forever. it took forever. And at one point it must've been between, because folks, our first lap and only lap was 17 miles and it took us eight hours. But at one point, to me, 15 through 17 went pretty fast. But 13 to 15, dude, it seemed like two freaking hours. And it might have been. Yeah, it um, probably was. Probably was. And, you know, we got to a point where we first started vocalizing that we weren't going to finish. Shit, maybe at, like, mile 13. And in my mind, I'm kind of thinking – if Tom wants to go back out, I got to go back out. But then someone had murmured, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And then that was kind of the first, the first time we started vocalizing that we're not going to do the second lap. And realistically, I never in a million years thought I would not finish this race. You and me. Like I, I never in a million years thought this. But we just drastically underestimated the altitude and the climbing. It's, I mean, you said it best when we were driving back on Sunday. It's the freaking Rockies, dude. And it is – Snowmass, Colorado, beautiful, but vicious, vicious Rockies. And, you know, about mile 15, I think, we were getting very close to the course cutoff where if you're not on your second lap by eight hours in, they don't let you go back out. And we're getting dangerously close to this. And at one point, you go, man, we got to go. We're going to miss the cutoff. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, fuck that. We're not going back out. And then, like, like a mile later, I think I said that, and you're like, you told me later you thought the same thing in your head. Yeah. It, what, where it really broke down for me, I mean, those obstacles were, had got, you know, got in my head and not only because I had to do burpees, but also a lot of them were, were tough. We had the, the, the sandbag carry. We had the bucket carry. There's the rope climb. There was just a lot of obstacles that really, they just drain a lot out of you because you have to do so much with drain, them. Drain, drain um, you. But after about the I wish I counted or I wish I knew somehow to, to tell how many ups and downs we went because even at that point, we still, you still, every time you go down, you don't really know your mileage most of the time. When you go down, every time you think we got to be getting to base camp, we got to be getting there as our mental win every time you turn the corner and there's another hill. And we got to the point where we're almost at the halfway mark. We know we're cutting it close on eight hours and remind you, you did an ultra once um, and completed it. I'd never worked out or done anything more than five to five and a half hours. So I'm in uncharted territories at seven and a half hours in. And we get to this yeah. one hill and there's a, a house on the top of the hill. This is where I broke. And you go, wow, look at that house. I go, fuck that house. And then this girl <laughs> is like trying to, this woman's trying to like get everyone fired up because it's, 
there's a pack of us ultra. There was like a group that was elite that got through it and they went before us. And then there was a group of like probably 15 or 20 of us that were all in this same section that were all feeling it. And this one woman's trying to pump people up. She's like, think about the belt when you finish. I go, fuck that belt. And she's like, fuck the belt. Like, you don't want the belt? And I said, no. And she's like, then why are you out here? And I go, whoa. And I realized at that point, if we're, you know, thinking about a takeaway, like we, we love to push ourselves. We love to compete. We love to put that one big thing on the calendar. But it, is, it was clear to me after talking with some people and thinking about my own past experiences that the why was not strong enough. And that's one reason why we didn't train hard enough probably is because we thought maybe we thought it was too easy. Maybe we thought we could just do it without training. And we didn't have anything that was really, you know, pulling us, pushing us on a daily basis to train like we needed to. So at that point, that was the last hill. And then we got down to base camp and, um, you know, with probably 15, 10 minutes to spare. And the race director came to us and saw the, the ghostly look in our faces and was trying to coax us mm. the course. And could I have gone another few miles? I definitely could have. But could I have gone another six, seven, eight hours that it would take to finish the race? Hell no. Hell no. Could you fucking imagine? I mean, at 245, and impressive to me, some other people on the race course who are racing with us, who you look at them physically, you wouldn't think much. They were way tougher than we were. And it was impressive to see them go back out in the second lap. And there was no question in their mind that they were going back out. And I was blown away by how like courageous these people were because I just didn't have it. And you got to think one, they're just much tougher than we are fact Two, that day. They were two, maybe their purpose was much stronger. Like we were talking about, mm. you know, maybe they were like their mom had just died and they were running for their mom. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Bottom line was they were way tougher than us. And whew, man, it was just an experience. And, you know, I was glad to be done. Like we got back to our condo about three thirty. I was glad to be done, but then I kind of felt sad a little bit because I never really not finished a race that we've done together. But then you started talking, you didn't talk me out of it, but you were like, yo, let's, let's, let's get some clarity here. We fucked around in the training, but we do at least to push ourselves and learn something. And I tell you what, dude, I learned a lot from the race and then also a lot from talking with you on our brainstorm sessions. And so Let's shift into top two to three takeaways from the race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, there's a few things. I mean, number one, um, and I, I, I mentioned this in the intro, but number one, the, the key takeaway was all the support across everyone. I mean, both virtually, you know, online people with great comments. We got a lot of, you know, texts and calls the day before and uh, people wishing us luck and saying you can do it. And that was really cool because um although we've done races this was the one that we've publicized the most and was definitely gonna we knew going yeah. in was gonna be the toughest and um it's just cool to know that when if you go out and do try to do something else in life and try to push yourself that you know our, our community's got our back as well as the people during the race i mean the other ultra people the amount of times i heard here we go purple or let's go ultra or whatever when you were running by was really amazing and so that that was cool to think about the next morning. Um, it, it didn't hit until a day or two later. Um, so that was one. You know, number two, by now you can see I've, I wrote a very long piece about this that really my, 
from the race itself, the takeaway was you have to pay the price and like everything you do in life, um, you have to pay. Like if you want to, um, if you want to be, you know, in good shape, for example, you got to eat healthy, you got to sleep well, you got to exercise, blah, blah, blah. If you want to make a certain amount of money, well, there's a price to pay. If you want to make $50,000 versus a hundred versus a million, you have to pay a certain price of hard work and taking chances and things like that. And so in this case, you know, I, I really thought that every time that we had to go up a hill, it was like we were giving a dollar away to, you know, from our piggy bank of energy, from our piggy bank of our training. And every time we had to go up a hill. But or the piggy bank obstacle, was low from the training, though. That's what I low. think we need to hit on. We, did, we no, didn't nearly enough. Yeah, we didn't put enough no in. No savings and, in the bank. Yeah. So, though, I mean, those, yeah. were, those were really two things. And then, and then really, it was just, it was almost uh, a nice feeling at, if, when I think about it now, not at the time, of getting humbled like that. I mean, we were ultra, you know, pretty confident going in. And I'd never failed a race before. I don't think you had either. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's great to put in perspective of, you know, hey, if you want to do something amazing like that, you really got to put in the work and not to say you can't do it, but, you know, it, it takes a lot. So those are my three. I would agree wholeheartedly on the family support, right? My, my mom was, was very involved. My brother Tanner was involved. My girlfriend Kelly, she actually called my mom Friday night because she was so concerned. So, and she you know, we've only been dating nine months, so she doesn't know I'm a, a crazy person like this. So <laughs> I wasn't physically worried about our health ever. And I, I never once was concerned about our health. I just knew that I wanted to do the race to get taken to a dark place to see how far I could push. And it did do that. I'm still bummed out that we didn't push on, but the support was overwhelming and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of reassuring to know it's there. And of course it was always there, but it really just comes out when you do something like that. So that was one. The second was preparation. There's no excuse for preparing. And, you know, our favorite, our favorite guy, John Wood, and rest in peace, he talks about success is having peace of mind from knowing that you've done everything you can do to prepare. I'm butchering it, but that's the gist of it. If you've prepared as fully as you can, you already have success and you have peace of mind. We didn't have peace of mind. We did not prepare properly. And I mean, physically, we simply did not put in the miles. And mentally, I did not visualize the finish line one time. We've done our other races. I have, after my long run, sat down and meditated and visualized what it would be like to finish the race. And I never did that. So put simply, the preparation was not there. And third was, it sounds super cheesy, but gratitude in the sense that one, grateful that we didn't finish because it just shows you that kind of going back to my first point if you don't prepare you don't get you don't get it what you want every time and so like if we would have been able to do this race with the piss poor training we did i think we would have lost some respect for it so grateful that we even had the chance to do it grateful that we have the money to do this kind of thing it's expensive and it's like total first world leisure like we're we're paying to fly around the country to do these races so was just really grateful for that and obviously the time with you because you know we used to live together we used to have these kind of like brainstorm conversations all the time and we only got to we only get to have them in person for a couple of days a year now so 
really grateful that we didn't get hurt and really grateful for the, uh, the Spartan organization just to put those on because, man, it's awesome. And to your point, the community at a Spartan race versus a marathon is heads and tails different. Yeah. So much more supportive at a Spartan. And you kind of get sad when, you know, Monday morning I was, I was depressed because being out of the mountains was a little bit different. Being away from all those people is a little bit different. And then obviously not kicking it with you. So just grateful that all of those things kind of came together, even though we didn't finish. Yeah, man, you, you said it really well. And especially, um, you know, two of the takeaways too, for the listeners is one, you know, even though we didn't make it, I still think putting one big thing on the calendar every year is a super, super helpful strategy to do to push yourself. And whether for you, that's a 5k or, um, I, I coaxed my dad into sign up for a half marathon next year. Some pump for that or, you know, whatever it is, or if it's a crazy, crazier race than what we did, if you're at that level, putting one big thing on the calendar and then, you know, spending time like we did, um, for those like four and a half days, it was awesome. I mean, you get to spend time one-on-one with, you know, a good friend where you can talk about, you know, podcast stuff. You could talk about, you know, heavy things. You could talk about just silly things. And, you know, given all the time that we you know have to spend on, social media and email and conference calls and things like that. It's good to just like get back to the roots and the roots are like, we're in the mountains. We're surrounded by people, you know, just talking to them, getting into like our inner instincts and doing that once a year, I think has uh, so many benefits. No question. And we were talking to our, uh, our other brother, Colin Akers, and he's excited to do something. So, you know, as we sign off, I'm really excited to, get back to basic um, human fitness. I've literally done nothing this week and I've been eating cookie dough almost every day. Not one thing. And I've been eating yesterday for lunch. I had a big sandwich with a lot of bread for dinner. We had pizza. Kelly and I had pizza and we were eating cookie dough and this whole week has been a shit show and I love it. (laughs) And I also cannot wait though to get back to the basics and next for the next two weeks, sorry, next Monday, it's going to be nothing crazy. Just, body weight every day, five days a week and stretching and getting the diet back in check. And then in three weeks back to the kettlebell. So I'm excited to get back going, just get some core fitness going again, but there's no question. We will do an ultra. We will finish it. May not be a a mountain series race, but it will happen. And I'm excited to do it at some point, but it takes a lot of freaking time, man. So that's kind of my, uh, my closing thoughts. What do you think is next? Yeah, I don't. I haven't given enough time to think about the next race. We'll definitely there'll be another big thing we put on the calendar next year, whether it's an ultra or not, or whatever we we decide at some point. Um, we will definitely tackle another ultra, and we will complete it. We'll put in the time, um, and then yeah, move in the shorter term. Same thing as you. This has been a throwaway week of uh, just you know taking down pizzas and all that good stuff, and you know a couple beers last night with with the team and. Um, you know, next week getting back into it, pretty much the same as you, like, let's get, let's build the foundation back up, you know, diet and, and some, some body weight stuff, and then get into wherever we're going to get into. But, um, Hey, what, what, no matter what, definitely putting another big thing on the calendar next year. So if anyone's got ideas out there, give us a shout. That's it. And, um, yeah, as we sign off, I just want to say thank you for the support to the, to the podcast family. Love it. It's good to see all those tech target faces popping up on the feed. <laughs> thank you to my, to my beautiful girlfriend, Kelly, for all the support. Thank you to my mother and my brother as well for all the support. And it's just been, it's been fun. 
I'm bummed it's done, but you know, that's the great thing about life. There's always something else to look forward to. So we'll have to, uh, hopefully I can come back on the podcast, Tommy, sometime this fall, maybe like Thanksgiving, maybe somewhere around there with acres and we can rip one of these and, and um, get back on the, uh, the millennial momentum line here. We got it, man. Hey, you got an open line. Anytime you want to come on, you know that. So we appreciate you. Everyone, uh, everyone in the millennial momentum world's got some love for our dubs. Amen, baby. I love them too. Shout out to all my tech target people. <laughs> I need $25 CPLs for CEOs, 100 to 200 Illinois only. Only so many people know what that means. <laughs> I appreciate you. it. <laughs> awesome, brother. Well, thank you for having me on, man. It's been awesome. All right. Peace. Peace, brother. Ciao.